This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. In the last decade, more than 30,000 Chicagoans have been shot, and most survived, often left to go on with life with almost no help as they struggle with physical and psychological recovery. So could reallocating resources bring healing? This is the third and final part in our collaboration with the nonprofit news outlet, The Trace. For the past couple days on the podcast, we've been talking about surviving Chicago's epidemic of gun violence and what recovery looks like in the aftermath of a shooting. It's not just about people who have sort of been immediately impacted by gun violence. You know, it's about their family that is now helping them recover, their friends, you know, the first responders, the police officers, the witnesses to the shooting. All of those people are affected by this type of trauma, this really type of violent trauma that happens. When you talk about recovery, of course, socially, emotionally, uh, uh, financially, everything was a process because, I mean, trauma, trauma looks different in a lot of ways. Now we turn to two experts on the front lines of providing long-term support and care to survivors. Joining us now is Eddie Bocanegra. Senior Director of Ready Chicago. Ready stands for the Rapid Employment and Development Initiative. Eddie, great to have you back. Thank you, Sasha. Also with us is Dr. Tanya Zacherson, a trauma surgeon at the University of Chicago. Dr. Zacherson, glad you could join us. Thank you so much for having me. Doctor, you moved from Canada to the U.S. specifically because of the prevalence of gun violence in this country. What brought you to Chicago? So that's a, that's a great question. Uh, that's correct in terms of I did all my training in Toronto. I'm a dual Canadian-American citizen, and from Toronto went to Miami. I came up to Chicago on the south side because of the opening of uh, the new Level 1 Trauma Center at the University of Chicago, um, because it was a trauma desert here initially. But what was interesting about the, the trauma center led by Dr. Selwyn Rogers um, and also Dr. Ken Wilson and a complement of very dedicated trauma surgeons is I think we've been recruited from different parts of the country to look at gun violence in terms of a patient in front of us that we have to treat urgently and heal them in the operating room and beyond, but also look at the structural causes of gun violence and understand why that happens. And there's no other uh, place in the United States than the south side of Chicago where those structural issues are very prominent. What I mean by structural issues, things like structural violence, structural racism, the whole decades and centuries worth of history of marginalization um, and discrimination that basically lead um, to the direct violence that we see every day and every night. 
What's happening to the body when someone gets shot? What, what kind of physical trauma do bullets inflict? So it's interesting because it, it depends on the type of bullet. It depends on the type of weapon. But the bullet um, will inevitably cause direct damage through any of the organs and any of the tissue that it passes through. But there's other things like tumble and yaw or different physics characteristics of the bullet where the bullet can start to tumble and turn inside of the body. There's also different bullets like hollow point bullets or bullets that are meant to actually stop in the body and not go beyond the person who's being shot. And that means there's a lot of energy um, that makes the bullet move that's transferred from the bullet to the local tissues. And it can cause cavitation, which just means like it's like a little bomb blast on the inside of the body. In addition to the direct trauma and injury that the, the bullet will cause to the tissues by touching it directly. So it's almost like a little bomb going off inside of your body, if you can imagine that. So mm-hmm. the damage is, is wildly destructive. And I want to point out also, if I may, that the damage doesn't end once we stop the bleeding. If a bullet remains behind inside of a, a, a patient's body, and sometimes they do because they're lodged deep in muscle or tissue, and we actually, as surgeons, do more damage going after the bullet. But the fact that that person is carrying the bullet with them Mm -hmm. leads to sometimes more depression and psychological anxiety. Sometimes there's issues with lead levels in the blood. So the bullet actually causes, you know, problems for many years on. And we're being more aggressive about trying to remove the bullet safely when we can, in addition to the dealing with all the injuries that the bullets cause um, right as the patient is presenting in front of us. It's like a bomb going off. I can't get that visual out of my mind. Yeah. Eddie, as we've been discussing throughout this hour, gun violence survivors not only face a physical recovery, but also recovery from psychological and emotional trauma. The doctor was just sort of touching on that as well. What resources do you think survivors need to help with that? Well, Sasha, I think, I mean, there's a way, there's many ways that I can answer that question, but I, I think where I, I like to start off with by there's a, a really good friend of mine, uh, Daniel Sharid, uh, out of Common Justice in New York, who talks a lot about the recovery, right, of survivors who've been impacted by gun violence and other kind of violence for that matter. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, crime survivors are often portrayed as irrational. Uh, in reality, many survivors are highly pragmatic and often seek precisely the things that will help them heal. And that could come in a number of different ways. Uh, and although survivors are not, you know, monolithic uh, with the group, you know, many people feel uh, conflicted about what they want, um, the way they express, you know, certain common themes um, tend to resonate for us who, who are constantly seeing this. And I'm sure uh, the doctor could probably accept, share her opinions around this as well. But what we see typically is this, is that individuals who've been impacted by gun violence, Either the, either the victim or survivors uh, of the individual who passed away contribute a lot of their trauma to like a process of healing about formulating a cohesive narrative about what really took place, what happened, why did this happen? And there's belief that there's this like, you know, kind of answer behind that. And that for them is true because that's the beginning of recovery for many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I could tell you as someone who's visited a dozen families already uh, because of the work of Ready Chicago. You know, sometimes families are receptive. 
sometimes family recognize the, some behaviors that their, their loved one was, was you know, exhibiting. But in many other cases, you have loved ones that are saying, like, why my son? You know, he was changing his life. He just got out of prison. Um, or why wasn't there enough people helping him? And, and that's sometimes what we also grapple, and it's creating a space for them to just process that and to understand that is the beginning of a, of a healing process. And, yeah. uh, you know, I got to give a shout-out to Father Kelly and uh, the Precious Blood and Dr. Lana Quintana, who been doing some amazing work around that space, around bringing both victims and survivors of gun violence and perpetrators of gun violence to, to this process of restoration and healing. Before I go back to Dr. Zacherson, I, I want to hear from Mike, who's been sitting, waiting on the line. He's calling from the west side. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Nice to um, be talking with you guys. What do you think about uh, our gun violence issue here in Chicago? Well, to touch on um, all topics, I guess, it's it's uh it's it's a tra- tragedy, but um I, I was saying like when you're around a lot of violence and you don't have no positive outlook on the world, you know you re- you kind of resort to it. And another thing for like black men, like we like we want respect, we want to be respected, and it's kind of hard when you live in a world that don't respect you. They don't really think too much of you. And I just, you know, and if I feel like if you knew better, you would do better. And we have to touch on top, uh, topics like, you know, getting better schools and getting around like a lot of positive. You know, uh, maybe if the, uh, the, the there's mothers and fathers out here working their bone, like working to the, working to death. Yeah, and they have no really time to spend with their children and try to train their children. So what happens? The the, the street teacher, TV teacher. Yeah. Like, well, let me let me get, get the panel to to respond to that because you bring up some some very valid points, Mike, and I appreciate your call, uh, Eddie. Mike says something I, I've definitely heard before. I'm sure you have. You try to be around positive people, but if if you're not around positive people doing good things with their lives, and you're all around violence. That's what you end up doing. Does that ring true to you? I mean, it's true to some extent. Like many of us are products of our own environment. And when I think about those that we serve through Radio Chicago or other programs out there that are working with high-risk populations, there are some really common themes there. And what we've learned is that most people who are involved in gun violence were victims at one point, uh, a large percentage of them. Um, they've been exposed to a lot of trauma from, from an early age. As a matter of fact, when I think about those who are in our program, about 82% of those in the Chicago have been victims of violence even prior to coming to our program. So what that tells me from a very beginning, right, is like what have we done to support individuals, right, from the moment they were born? And it's unfortunate that because of the zip codes that many folks are born into or the parents they were born into, which they have no decision-making on that process, right, that determines a lot of their outcomes. And because so many of our communities have been disinvested, and that's, that's part of the root causes, right? You know, the doctor mentioned the root causes around racial structures, you know, uh, but there's also issues around, you know, historical events and beliefs and, and yeah. community family norms, right? And that's what the gentleman is pointing out, that too often the people around us, you know, for, for decades have been disinvested and we're un- unwilling to treat them and provide a pathway, right, uh, for, for healing and success. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and with us is Eddie Bocanegra with Ready Chicago and Dr. Tanya Zacherson, a trauma surgeon at the University of Chicago. We're talking about the wide-ranging support that gun violence survivors need and the importance 
of long-term and follow-up care. Dr. Zacherson, back to you. I want to pick up where Eddie left off um, because your center is focusing on providing long-term and follow-up care. What kind of care does this include and, and why is it a critical part of recovery? So, you know, it's definitely something that uh, we're doing with the Urban Health Initiative. We have our violence recovery specialists through our violence recovery programs. And Sasha, if I may, I just, I do want to give a shout out to Eddie Bocanegra, but he doesn't know this, but he's been a personal hero of mine for many years. And I've shown his, uh, his trailer on the interrupters in many uh, classes that I've I've taught about gun violence and public health and Mike and Eddie, you know, all of these workers we have both on the west side and the south side of Chicago are doing such phenomenal work. So what we try to do at the University of Chicago is through our violence recovery program is to connect our survivors of gun violence and actually our survivors of violence in general um, to programs that allow them to access educational opportunities to help them access cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. mental health support, which is so important. So many of our young people, as you all know, um, run the risk of developing post-traumatic stress disorder um, after being shot. And in young men in particular, that's manifest as aggression. Yeah. And so often people, you know, look at the the you know a, a young man and say oh that's that bad kid who got shot and look how he's always so angry and stuff and that's actually a psychiatric sign and symptom that he's demonstrating saying he needs help so we're we're working hard here obviously you know are the resources enough we could always use more help but I think you know going back to what Eddie said going back to what Mike said you know this issue of gun violence affecting our black and brown communities, this is a phenomenal issue of human rights and a failure of our governments to protect human rights on individual and collective and community levels. There's United Nations conventions that protect the rights of the child, the rights of women, the rights of racialized minorities against violence, and the government is failing to do this. So. I applaud these programs. I think these programs are very important. But I think really our interventions also need to focus at, you know, at the government levels. And that's the municipal city, you know, at City Hall, the city levels, it's at the state level, it's at the national level to say, hey, why is this pattern happening over and over again? When we know that our youth that grow up on the south side of Chicago have very limited opportunities, why are there public schools um, disinvested? Why are they underfunded compared to rich white schools up in other parts of Chicago? Why is it hard to get fruits and vegetables, you know, on the south side? I mean, there's parts of the south side of Chicago that frankly remind me of my trip to South Africa um, after apartheid ended, where we just still had the remnants of apartheid, where you had uh, the black populations living in incredibly uh, uh, disinvented and economically um, disenfranchised uh, parts of the, the country yeah. and the different cities. This is no different. And in fact, there's a book called A Peculiar Indifference by Elliot Curie that actually talks about the exact reasons why we see the gun violence we see today that's focused within these communities. Dr. And how, 
Oh, sorry. Um, oh, go ahead. No problem. I, I just want to squeeze in. Maria has been waiting Absolutely. on the line. I want to hear from her and see what she wants to add to the conversation. Maria's in Pilsen. Hi, Maria. Hi. Uh, thank you very much. I, I've been listening and attentively to everything you guys are saying, and I so much agree with it. But one of the things that we have to remember also is that the families of uh, uh, survivor uh, of victims of gun violence need to really have a co- comprehensive uh, services beyond grief counseling and and youth counseling as well, because as you know. Life changes dramatically once this happens, and uh, the family suffer. The head of the household, which happens to be the majority of of them, has to keep the family together. And many times they fail to do so because of lack of services. Mm -hmm. We need to understand the new you. The new you requires that we help them in other financially, in other issues. You know, yeah. how am I going to pay my, my, you know, if I quit my job or if they fire me? Yeah. Because many times they get fired. So we need to look beyond those services into into uh, things that are going to be beneficial yeah. to the families to grow healthier. So Maria is basically saying whole families need wraparound services, not just the, the victims and survivors of this gun violence. Gosh, I wish we had more time, but we are out of time right now. We've been talking with Eddie Bocanegra with Ready Chicago and Dr. Tanya Zacherson, a trauma surgeon at the University of Chicago. Thank you both so much for joining us today. That's it for today's Reset podcast and our collaboration with the nonprofit newsroom, The Trace. To hear the full three-part series, you can go back and catch up on Tuesday and Wednesday's podcast. Tomorrow's Friday, so that means we'll look back at the week that was with our weekly news recap. It's when we get you caught up on all the top stories from Chicago and Illinois that you need to know before unplugging this weekend. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.